Happy Tuesday. These things roll around like every week, don't they? They do. Yeah. Uh, my, I remember my first Sunday here. I got done with my my, my first Sunday, and uh, someone said that was that was good. See you next week. I'm like, we do this every week. Like, yeah, we do that every week. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, my name is Mike Beneshek. I'm the pastor, one of your warm heart pastors here. It's a joy to have you. If you're joining us online, welcome to you wherever you are. Uh, we are starting a new new book uh, today, First Corinthians. Uh, we're excited to, to, to give this one. It's been about five or six years since this uh, uh, class has tackled uh, any of the Corinthians. So, uh, so here we are. Oh, let's pray. God above, the clock keeps moving and time keeps a churning. And, and we just pray that our relationship with you also has very, very long legs and longevity. For the words that we read today on this page, may it touch us, may it, may it strengthen us, may it encourage us for the years that we have ahead. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We are in 1 Corinthians. If uh, You have a sheet on your, on your table probably, but uh, it's also in your Bibles, of course. Uh, it comes right after Romans. So we have the Gospels. We have Acts, which is uh, the sequel to Luke. Then we have Romans and all of Paul's letters. And uh, do you know why they're in the order that they are in, Paul's letters? It's not alphabetically. It's not by time either. Size, totally by size. Romans, longest. It goes first. First uh, Corinthians, second longest. And then they put, oh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, second longest, and then they put 2 Corinthians right behind it. And they, they worked through Paul's letters like that because it made sense on the scrolls for whatever reason that they had. They're not in uh, any other order except for the length of, uh, the, of, of the text. If he just wrote a memo to the Corinthians, it would be at the end. <laughs> uh, but since it's a long letter, it's, it's here. Uh, let's, let's just jump into it. I'll kind of explain a little bit about Corinth. Um, as we move through, I shared some of it, uh, probably most of it, uh, when we did the Acts study uh, a year or so ago. Uh, two years ago, I think. I think I came in halfway through Acts. John finished the first half of Acts, and when I came, I finished it up. But uh, he went to Paul went to Corinth uh, during those uh, during those chapters. So uh, we'll bring up some of that information once again. Uh, let's. We're just going to break it up kind of by piecemeal here. Let's do verses one through three. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ by Jesus, by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So who wrote this letter? Paul. And he, he, he uh, follows the normal pattern that he has when he writes his letters, uh, especially in uh, those of ancient times. You know, we write a letter uh, by saying who the letter is to first, and then we conclude the letter with who the letter is from. We, I was at the post office um, uh, not too long ago, and it was like uh, kids are going back to college, right? And a mom was talking to her kid at the little desk there. This is how you write a letter. 
and the kid was 18 years old, about to go to college, and had never formally wrote a letter and didn't know where the where where the things went. It happens because we don't, you know, that the, well they don't teach it in school. Well, you know, they don't teach it at home either. Uh, and and I and I and I kind of shake my finger a little bit, and then I have to think: Have I ever taught my kids how to write? They write thank you letters, but then I have to tell them how to do. Da, 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 da. I explain what a zip code is, and da, 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 da. Uh, but yeah, we kind of have our form on how to do it. Uh, here, here, here's a little, uh, <laughs> here's a little tip I probably shouldn't share. I might, I might bring this up when I do my uh, "Thou shalt not steal" sermon. Uh, long time ago. Um, had a buddy who had about 200 Christmas cards to mail out and didn't have the money for the stamps for Christmas cards. So what he did was this. On the envelope on the outside, you know how you have the return address up here and you have the regular address where you're mailing it to here? He flipped them, didn't put a stamp on them, dumped them all in the mail. Of course, the post office won't take it. And where does the post office take them? Returned to sender, which happened to be, in this case, all the people he wanted to mail. Uh, yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> That's why the post office is bankrupt, yes. So in Paul's day, a letter begins with the writing who the letter is from and then stating who the letter is to. Uh, Paul had an extensive history with the contact with the city of Corinth beginning when he first established the church. Uh, if, if you remember from Acts, he went from Athens, where he stayed like two weeks, to Corinth, where he stayed for a year and a half to two years. Uh, and he, he, he moved on. This is from Ephesus. He's in the town of Ephesus when he's writing this, I think. Uh, he wrote a letter to the Christians in Corinth. Uh, it's, it's mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians 5.9, where he's from. But he says this previous letter, the, he talks about a previous letter. And that's lost. So actually, this is kind of the Second Corinthians, and Second Corinthians is actually Third Corinthians because we don't know what happened to the first first letter. It'd be fascinating to see what was in there, uh, because Paul really wrote a lot to Corinth, uh, and, and and really about their situation. We know more about the Christians at Corinth than any other church in the New Testament. But he is called to be an apostle. At the outset of the letter, indeed, the very first few words, Paul fearlessly declares his uh, apostolic credentials uh, because a lot of people did not trust and believe in Paul. A, uh, he was part of the Jewish authority at the time, and he was persecuting Christians, if you know that story. And number two, did, P did Paul ever meet Jesus? Not, not, not in the flesh. Uh, he had that road to Damascus, and 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 Jesus gave gave Paul his his commissionings. That's why he is an apostle. He knows he's not one of the twelve, but he is on par with them because, like like them, he is chosen by God. Uh, apostle. I think we talked about this before. An apostle is someone who is given a charge, a a job to do a mission. You are sent with a message. Uh, a disciple is someone who just follows. We are all disciples of Jesus. However, he did have his 12 big disciples, and we call those the apostles because he gave them a commission as well. Uh, apostle, it's a, it's a Greek word. Uh, we, 
I'll go back to the post office. We get the word postal from it. Uh, post office sends the messages. An apostle sends the message. Uh, Sothenes, uh, so our brother, uh, he is mentioned also in Acts as head of the Corinthian synagogue who was beaten up because he protected Paul at that time. Um, so he gets his due also in Corinthians. When Paul first came to Corinth, the ruler of the synagogue was a man named Crispus. And Crispus believed on the Lord with all his household and was saved. Uh, and he was fired, or he quit his job as ruler of the synagogue. And his replacement was a man named uh, Sothenes, who was later beaten by the Roman officials in a bit of anti-Semitic backlash. Uh, so, uh, but, but he comes up here. To the church of God, most people today would associate the word church with a building where Christians meet. Uh, but the ancient Greek word for church, ecclesiae, uh, was a non-religious word. It just meant assembly. Uh, church, we, we, we stole the, the, the name church. People would say they were going to church, and they uh, eventually it became a religious thing. In the olden, olden, olden days, it just meant a, a place where people gathered uh, to talk and discuss. It was more of a body politic than a, uh, than a church gathering. Uh, but because of, of Paul and uh, the first uh, century church, uh, the, it, just, it just turned into a, a, a religious word, if that makes sense. Uh, to the church, that's at Corinth, one of the great cities of the ancient world. Um, but it was full of debauchery. Like, like they all were, but really, really Corinth was, was the hotbed of it all. I know we don't have any towns like that in America today. God bless it. Uh, what would you say is like, uh, what's a town of debauchery? Las Vegas. I've only been there once. I, I tell friends, we're going to Vegas, but I told the church, we're going to the Grand Canyon because they both were true. Yeah. San Fran's getting that way. It's New Orleans. I've discovered New Orleans has a little bit of a fun history. <laughs> there was a guy going down to New Orleans with a, with a Bible in his hands, and his friend says, where are you going with that Bible? He goes, I'm going down to New Orleans. That's good. He goes, yeah, if it's as good as they say, I might just stay till Sunday. And That was the reason he had the Bible. That's a dumb joke. Don't do that again. Write that down. Uh, many things made Corinth famous. <laughs> Uh, pottery, Corinthian brass, it's got its, uh, it's, got its columns. Um, they had games there, kind of like the Olympics every two years. It was, uh, uh, the Olympics were number one, but the uh, Isminian games uh, were also pretty popular. There were uh, temples, there were at least 50 temples in the town to, to many, many different kinds of gods. But the number one one was Aphrodite, the goddess of love. There was over a thousand prostitutes who worked at the at the uh, at the temple, and at night they would ply their trade. And it was people people didn't mind going to church with Aphrodite. Uh, Corinth was a major city of business. It was uh, on an isthmus uh, between uh, kind of a little little, little thing of land here, uh, and it was just a pain to get the ships all the way around. And it was all rocky and craggy all the way out. So it was just easier, honestly, to drag a boat or its cargo across the four-mile isthmus 
and Corinth was was right there. Uh, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Uh, notice the contracts. The, the church of God, something good. At Corinth, something bad. Uh, understanding the tension between the church and the city is uh, important to understanding the letter of 1 Corinthians. The bottom line that Paul is writing is this. Is the church influencing the city, or is the city influencing the church? And that's the question that Paul is going to scrapple with for the next many a chapter. First uh, Corinthians, it's a lot of a lot of it's unflattering to the church. Uh, to the church, they are shown to have uh, morality problems, doctrine problems, church government problems. They don't like each other. Spiritual gift problems. They are the church of the cold shoulder. Church service problems. Authority problems. Uh, uh, what today? Oh, many places, yes, and uh, every church, every church has them. I like to say that we don't have gossip, but we have prayer concerns. That's that's who we are. But yet he called them saints. He calls them saints to our saints, uh, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Okay, well, we got past the greeting. Let's see what's, let's see what's next. Thanksgiving, let's do four, four through nine. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him... You have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you from firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank my God always. Paul will spend much of this letter rebuking sin and correcting error, yet he's also very sincerely thankful for God's work among, among the Corinthians. Uh, for those who feel called to rebuke and sin, uh, well, we got to follow Paul's example. Uh, too many times that we, we just love correcting, telling other people what to think, what to do, uh, how bad they are. Uh, Paul goes another tactic. He's, uh, it comes with love, and it comes with thankfulness. And uh, I, I had a relative who once, who once said something like, you know, before you could whack someone on the head, you have to have their, your arm around them in love. Because you also get a good shot at it too there. But if, if, if someone just whacks you with like, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, you're not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. Um, but with a lot of love and tenderness, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. That Mary Poppins knew what she was talking about. Yeah. For, by the, for the grace that was given to you by Jesus Christ, uh, a specific reason for God, uh, Paul's gratitude, everything good, uh, that the Corinthian Christians have from God has was given to them by grace. Grace means that God free, uh, gives freely for his own reasons. Uh, Corinthians, were, they were a rich church, not only materially, but also in speech and knowledge of Jesus. And they're abounding in the gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the ways that we help and serve each other. You all have spiritual gifts. 
and you all have different spiritual gifts, which is good. Otherwise, some of you are unnecessary. Uh, so we all supposed, we're all supposed to have different things, and we all serve in, in, in different ways. Uh, I like committees. I know that's, that's nuts or what's My wife thinks I'm crazy. Uh, she likes playing with kids. I think she's nuts. But we all have different spiritual gifts, and we need each other to make, to make, things, to make things happen. When Paul looked at the Corinthian church, he could say these people proclaim Jesus. They know about Jesus and their spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts among them, and they're excited for Jesus' return. One thing, one thing that we really know about Paul is his, well, first of all, his letters were the first, uh, first parts of the New Testament written. These letters were written before the Gospels. These letters were uh, some of the first writings that we have out of the New Testament. And one of Paul's firm beliefs was that Jesus Christ is coming back now, soon, within our lifetimes, for sure by the next generation. So you're going to see that if we do more of Paul's letters, uh, you'll see it pop up over and over and over again, the day of the Lord. When the day of the Lord comes, when the day of the Lord comes, he will keep you firm and faithful to the end when he comes back. Uh, here we are 2,000 years later. We know that's not exactly the case, and, and, and we live uh, our, our Christianity in, in different ways. If Jesus comes back, great. If he doesn't come back in our lifetimes, great. If he doesn't come back at all, may he live through us and through the Spirit. Uh, but that's, that's one of the, uh, Paul's telltale signs that we know that it's Paul, is everything is about the day of the Lord is coming. Uh, how's he say it here? Uh, as we eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be uh, revealed. How did the Corinthians get to be so knowledgeable about Christ? Paul was there for a year and a half to two years. Okay, a year and a half to two years. Yeah. And, and word gets around. For the most part, the Jewish Christians stayed or in around Jerusalem, Antioch, over over in that part. Paul, on his missionary journeys, uh, he he would always go to the synagogue first, try there, usually strike out, and then go to the Gentiles. Uh, that's what happened in, in Athens. Uh, he found he found whatever for whatever reason in Corinth, he found a receptive audience, and he stayed quite some time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're very knowledgeable about Jesus, but I think you're. It's, I think it's in this chapter where he kind of disses them, like you're not exactly the the, the, the smartest bunch out there. Uh, but we'll have that here, I think, pretty soon. One thing that struck me in this, in the in the, in the open in the first like eleven lines, is it's it's a letter about Jesus. I get it, but every verse has has a reference to Jesus. Every single one. Um, verse one. Apostle of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, verse 2, sanctified in Christ Jesus, verse 3, Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, Christ Jesus, 5, uh, for in him, I'll, I'll, I'll count him, uh, verse 6, uh, testimony about Christ, 7, Lord Jesus Christ, 8, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, 9, Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, 10, in the name of Jesus Christ, <laughs> Uh, 11, my brothers, and da, 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 da. oh, it ends with 10. It, it, it's Christ heavy. 
uh, big time. If you have, if you didn't know what this was about, uh, you missed something because it is littered throughout there. Let's do verses ten, uh, ten through seventeen. We'll do that section. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I appeal to you. I think King James says, I plead with you, brethren. Uh, Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He had authority in the church. And he had the right and the authority to command uh, the Corinthians in, in, in these matters. Uh, instead, though, he, he could just tell them, but with a loving heart, he begs them, he pleads with them, just be united. Do you want me to stop the car? Uh, as my mom and dad would say. Let there be no divisions among you. Uh, the ancient Greek word for division, I think, I think uh, you, might, you might know this uh, schism. Yeah, have you ever heard of the word schism or schematia? Uh, we get the word schism out of that. Uh, faction, it, it, it means to tear or rend. Stop tearing up the body of Christ. Chloe's household. Chloe was a woman, probably a Christian. Uh, she traveled between Ephesus and Corinth uh, due to business. Uh, again, Paul's writing from Ephesus, and so uh, uh, Chloe is going back and forth, and she hears the gossip. She hears the rumors and what's going on down in Corinth. And, and so uh, Paul just calls them out and also uh, lays the blame on where it, where it came from. Uh, Contentions among you. The, the Corinthian church suffered under quarreling and conflict, and, uh, and each party, each group had their, own, had their own leader. I am of Paul. There was a Paul party who declared, we are following in the footsteps of the man who founded our church, the Apostle Paul. We are the only ones right with God. Another faction, I am of Apollos, the Apollos party. We are following in the footsteps of a man who is great in power and spiritual gifts. We are, we are the ones really right with God. Another group, I am of Cephas. And if you know, uh, your, your Greek, Cephas, also means Peter. So one of the disciples, like Peter the disciple. This is the Peter party who, dis, who declared, I am following in the footsteps of the man who is first among the disciples. Jesus gave him the keys to the heaven of kingdom, and he is our guy. We are the ones really right with God. And I just love the, uh, the next group that just says, forget all of you. We, you follow those people. We follow Christ. We follow Jesus. We don't even know who you are. Uh, we're the ones who are right with God. Again, I'm glad these kinds of things don't happen today. 
the Corinthians boasting about their party leaders were really boasting about themselves. It wasn't so much that they thought Apollos was great, but they were great for following him. And isn't that true of us today? Now, divisions are, you know, even though, how to say this, even though division is, is ungodly, it is not wrong to make distinctions between churches and ministers. Uh, some people prefer this pastor. Some people prefer that kind of pastor. Uh, I remember going into a church. They, they said, we want someone who is really young with uh, 50 years of experience. What do you do with that? Uh, who is great with old people and young people who can uh, go on mission trips and preach preach like no other. It's like, how do you do all that? Um, God sends different people to, uh, to, to different kinds, different elements of the truth, uh, but Christ defended and preached them all, is what Spurgeon says. Is Christ divided? Jesus does not belong to one party, does not belong to one nation, does not belong to one political party. Uh, Jesus is, I think, a little bigger, a little bigger than that. Uh, there, there was a story. I'll try. I'll try one more joke before I close it up for jokes, because we'll see if this one goes. Oh, it's, it's a story. It's an old Quaker who who was trying to find the real church. I want to find the real, you know, the authentic church, and he can never find it. And uh, finally, someone asked, "How how are you doing now? How's your how's your real church search going?" He goes, uh, "It's going great. Uh, I am in the true church at last." And the guy's like, wow, how many people belong to it? He goes, well, it's just my wife and I, and sometimes I'm not sure about her sometimes. You can't find the church that's 100% what you're looking for, but hopefully you're finding a church that could feed you spiritually uh, and, and, and guide you in truth as we all try to figure out and live this out together. Some people on Paul's party made a big deal that I was baptized by Paul, and it was becoming a divisive issue. Uh, Paul was therefore grateful that he had not baptized very many in Corinth. Uh, we don't baptize in the name of Pastor Mike or in the name of, of the religious leader or in John Wesley or in the Methodist Church. You are baptized into Christ. The altar that we have for communion, it is not Pastor Mike's table. It's not the Methodist table. It is a table open, open to all. Uh, Paul did baptize a few in Corinth, Crispus, uh, Gaius, uh, just, just, to, just to share also, he, Christ did not send me to baptize. Uh, for Paul, preaching was more important than, than baptism, although he was certainly not opposed to baptism. But in, in Paul's theology here, we can see that baptism is not essential to salvation. Uh, if it were, if the teaching of baptismal uh, regeneration were true, then Paul could never thank God that he baptized so few. And as an evangelist, he could never say Christ did not send me to baptize. He he thought the changing of the hearts, the uh, that that conversion experience, uh, that was that was probably more essential to Paul. He also didn't keep track of those who we baptized. Of course, he also thought Christ was coming back, so why keep records? Paul went out not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, what exactly was the gospel if there was no, none of the New Testament had been written, none of the stories of Matthew, Mark, or Luke? The stories were out there. The stories of Jesus but were out they there. They just didn't have 
have the text. Okay. Uh, gospel, good news. The good news the rather good news. than just, okay. And, uh, and we'll, the truth, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch some of that in an upcoming paragraph, uh, what some of that gospel means. Okay, let's do verses 18. Or let's break this one up. 18 to 25. Christ crucified in God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The idea of being saved through the work of a crucified man for those on the outside seems foolish. The words message of the cross sound kind of noble and religious to our 20th century ears, but in the first century, saying a message of the cross is about the same as saying the message of the electric chair, the message of the gallows, the message of the firing squad. What message does a cruel, humiliating, unrelenting instrument of death have? No wonder why it's foolishness to those who are perish. To, to those who are perishing. But to those of us who believe it is the power of God, it's a strange message. But to those who trust in it, who are being saved, the message of the cross becomes to them the actual power. Um, yeah, the word gospel is not in this verse. But uh, for Paul, the message of the cross was the gospel. It was impossible for the apostle to preach the gospel without presenting the message of the cross. So he doesn't preach a high moral standard or a universal uh, truth. He preaches Christ crucified. There was a guy who walked this earth, who had no sin, who was sin for us, who taught about love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And what did we do with that guy? We killed him. <laughs> Enough of that, said the world. But the gospel is Christ crucified that God still so loved. That through a crucifixion that we might be reconciled to a loving God. Uh, there was a quotation in here. It came from Isaiah chapter 29. Uh, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. The disruptor of this age was a man who wanted to dis dispute every issue and solve it by human reason. Um, 
I think the point that Paul's trying to make is there's no wise men, no scribe, no, no debater who could do what Jesus Christ had done. There's a constant tendency to think that the smartest and the wisest human will know the most about God. Uh, but God cannot be found through human wisdom, only through the message of the cross. There's nothing wrong with being smart. I want to be one of them someday. But uh, being smart does not promise you spiritual benefits. Even the poor, even the poor can find Christ. Even the poor of, of mind can find Christ. The phrase foolishness of the message and foolishness of God does not, it doesn't mean Paul actually considered the message and God foolish. Uh, he just described them as appearing, as, as, as it would appear uh, to the wise person of this age. A um, few years ago, Easter was on April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day, and I used this passage for my Easter sermon. Uh, we are fools for Christ, uh, Paul says somewhere else. Um, for the Jews, yeah, the Jews demand signs. Show us, show us the miracles, which we just got done with the Gospel of John, right? And the Greeks look for wisdom. Uh, this is the time of the philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Uh, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Uh, show us your philosophies. And Paul's philosophy is a guy on a cross. Doesn't sound like a philosophy at all. We preach Christ crucified. And uh, God gave them something unexpected, a, uh, a Messiah. Who, again, the Jews thought the Messiah was going to usher in the next king and, and kick the Romans out and do all the wonderful things. And instead, he ended up on a cross. I, I really like the way you emphasize the name of Jesus Christ in the first nine, ten verses. And... You know, this whole chapter seems to be about teaching unity within the church. And I like to always consider, how does that apply to me today? And I see the same thing. I see that everybody that are disciples that come to church have different views, different places where they are in the gospel, different ways of repenting in their process. But Jesus Christ has the ultimate wisdom, the absolute truth. If we continue on the path and preach nothing but Christ, well, that's the way to go. If you try to go outside of that, you're going to fight the individualisms of everyone else. And I like that about what Paul's kind of teaching here. Now it's always it's, it's always fun to kind of go back, uh, well, back to the basics, if you will. Um, so, uh, at, at one of our last uh, funerals, uh, someone caught me and was like they they said uh, they were they belonged to this faith tradition. What does a Methodist believe? <laughs> so I, I you know I had my uh, elevator speech all kind of ready. Uh, but I, I, I got the feeling of like you know we all we all believe in love, grace, mercy, all those all those things. We we just kind of go at it in in in, diff, in different ways. Uh, 
you know, we some 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 churches are really involved in mission work. Some some churches are really involved in in in, in faith in the heart, and they don't do a lot of stuff outside their church. Uh, some church, you know, we all have our own little little takes on it. Uh, I'm not saying one's more right than the other. It's just it's just a, all restaurants serve food. <laughs> There are different kinds of restaurants that will that will satisfy the body, uh, but yes, at the end of the day, we all need calories, and at the end of the day, we all need Christ. Christ better be in there, or we're going to be spiritually starving. This is why I don't like the word religion. Religion to me is man reaching up to find Christ, to find God, and the cross is God coming down to man through Jesus Christ, and it's so simple. It's like, you know, they say, uh, believe like a little child. The whole thing of salvation is so simple, and people try to make it so hard. Well, what do you believe? Well, what? Well, why? Well, what? You know what I mean? It's just Jesus Christ, and that's it. Yep. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Methodist Church should never say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Catholic Church should never say, I am the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I would just like to add to what Bev said. Um, <clears throat> uh, it just seems that it's so simple that it overwhelms us. I could teach a kid to play chess in about 20 minutes, and it takes a lifetime to figure out how to play. Well, I tell people that they say, well, but you go to church a lot and you're religious. They say, well, I don't believe in religion. What do you mean you don't believe in religion? Weren't you brought up that way? I said, well, I don't believe in religion. Religion is don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or do this, do this, do this. I said, I believe in a relationship. And until you have that relationship, so, and, and I have talked with a lot of people that are really overachievers. And I like this verse that says that for since the wisdom of God the world, through its wisdom, did not know him. I, mean, there, I think a lot of people, their wisdom gets in their way. And so I say that to people sometimes, and I, it really makes them think because they're too smart for their own britches, you know. Their, their intelligence really does. It gets in their way. And then when you say that to them, it, it starts making a little bit more sense because they don't. They'll say, well, I don't like religion. I say, well, I don't either. Remember this kid who said, uh, uh, Pastor Mike, I don't believe, any, I don't believe anything uh, th th that you're saying. His parents drug him to church, uh, and he didn't want to be there, and he made it evident all the time. Um, I said, okay, what do you believe? He says, well, I think, I think we're just supposed to you know, love each other as we love ourselves. I could live by that. I said, I know who said that. I know where you got that from. Uh, he, he, he believed in the principles, but he just didn't, he wasn't old enough or wise enough to yet to figure out where, where they came from. It, it's interesting that uh, he preaches the Christ crucified, that, that they're preaching the crucifixion and uh, not the resurrection because the crucifixion is when he took our sins to himself and the resurrection established that he was God. People ask, why do we call it Good Friday? 
without that Friday, we can't get to we can't get to Sunday. Uh, we preach Christ crucified. Uh, yeah, why doesn't he say what well, we preach Christ resurrected? <laughs> um, the problem that the Jewish people were trying to solve at that at that time and uh, end age, and maybe even today, is the problem of sin. Sin breaks our relationship with God, and it was the cross that broke it. Uh, it was Easter, Easter that showed that it, uh, that, that that it worked. Uh, but the defining moment is there's a reason why we have a cross up here and not not an empty tomb, because we we could just as easily have an empty tomb as a symbol, couldn't we? That's what we go with. It's foolishness to those who don't believe. There it is. Let's finish it off. Twenty six to the end. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the wise things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one of you may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Is Christ divided? Well, uh, no doubt many, many of the Christians were beginning to think of themselves in high terms because of God's work in them. And Paul will not allow them to do this. They have not been chosen because they are so great, but because God is so great. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, look at yourselves. You're, you're really, you're, you're, none of you are a great bargain in this. You are not wise according to according to those who are really wise. You are not mighty as those who are those who are really mighty. You're not as noble as other people in, in your town. But God has cho chosen the foolish things of this world, and you might be some of those foolish things. Uh, God is not saying that it's better to be foolish or uneducated. Rather, he's saying that the world's wisdom and education doesn't bring us salvation. Let the, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Be thou, oh, how's that song go? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my God. Um, yeah, you, you, you all know the hymn, right? Be da 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 Yeah, heed not man's riches. Uh, in, in each of those verses, he tackles, actually a line from Jeremiah, it's not the wise, it's not the strong, it's not the rich. Uh, those are not bad things. But that doesn't save you. <laughs> Wisdom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's righteousness there. Righteousness means that we are legally declared uh, not only uh, not guilty, but we have a positive righteousness. We have the righteous deeds and character of Jesus somehow living through us, uh, not because of something we did, but because of God working through us. Uh, the word redemption there at the end. Oh, yeah, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That'd be a, kind of a fun sermon series. Our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Uh, righteousness, God living through us. Uh, 
holiness, that we are separate from the world, and that we are redeemed, redemption. Uh, redemption as a word from the slave trade. The idea that we have been purchased to permanent freedom. Yep. And let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. You can could, you could see this last line in the chapter. Really, Paul just kind of, in a loving kind of way, just thwacked the Corinthians a little bit. I belong to Apollos. I belong to, it was me, it was me, it was me. And here's, here's Paul. Let the one who boasts, just boast in the Lord. Not in who you belong to, not in what you've done. But just boast that, that, that you are a part of God's family. I, you know, I like the way Paul's flow is. And, you know, he teaches of Christ. He tells them what they're doing wrong. And I think like in this last verse, especially verse 27 and 28, where he really asks them to be humble, which is teachable, to change, to repent, to become better and learn the truth of God, the truth of Jesus that teaches. And humility, I think, is a big part of what he's doing here in these last verses to reach for that righteousness, to reach for that redemption and the atonement to wash you. And you know, and this flows through to chapter 2 where Paul turns around and says, hey, I'm not smart either. Yeah. You know, he doesn't put himself up on a pedestal. So humility is really something I've learned in, to, to be in this day and age. It's needed here more or as much as back then. Yeah. Humility is, it, it is a positive trait. Uh, it's an attractive trait because uh, we don't see a lot of it today. Um, and I have a hard time with humility. When people give a compliment, I usually try to put myself down somehow uh, in, a, in, a, in a negative way. And they're like, well, just, just say thank you. Lucinda tells me that all the time. Just shut up and say thank you. Like, okay, thank you. Um, but humility is hard. We don't, we don't see humility out, out there in the world. Uh, football season, I love football season. It's starting back up. Uh, you score a touchdown, and you are not the most humblest person after scoring a touchdown. Um, I liked how, how one coach says, hey, when you score a touchdown, act like you've been there before. <laughs> when he was talking about humility, it reminded me of the version, it's in Ephesians where it talks about that you're um, not saved of yourselves. It's not uh, your own works, lest any man should boast. So it's kind of along those old, old lines where you can't be saved by works. And so when he said humility kind of reminded me of this, reminds me of that. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. Humble, bowing, yeah. Uh, friends, if, if uh, we, we will see you on Sunday, uh, if not before, or next Tuesday uh, for 2 Corinthians. Appreciate you being here, and God bless. 